Well, good morning. My name's Bridie and I have the privilege of bringing the word today. Now, I do need to just take a moment and say, um, Pastor Robbie is my brother-in-law and I just need to redeem him for a moment because Mark may have alluded to the fact that he's nearly turning 50. He's actually 43 today. That's a fair way off 50. And I'm 41 and I don't really want to feel like I'm nearly 50. 50 is great if you're 50, by the way. (laughs) But he's only 43. So I got your back, Rob. You can thank me for that one later. Hey, um, who here doesn't love cardio exercise? Like I'm talking a hard cardio workout. Come on, show me your hands. Don't be ashamed if you don't love it. Good. You are my people. I feel you. You know, those people that go and they like go and smash themselves at the gym and they're like, oh, I worked out so hard yesterday. My legs are burning. I can't even sit down today. I'm so sore. It was amazing. I don't get it. Pretty, I think you're a sicko. Like you love the pain. You love the torture. What is wrong with you? But, you know, we can know in our heads that things are right. We can agree that things are good. I agree that exercise is good. I could give you every reason why I should exercise. But isn't it true that it doesn't mean that we always do it? And I think sometimes it can be like this in areas of our walk with God. We can know that something's right, but we don't always live it. In Matthew 28, 19, many of us here would know Jesus' conversation with his disciples where he gave what was referred to as the Great Commission. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, for those of us who have been in church for a while, we would have heard this many times and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, here we go again. Something else I'm meant to be doing. But can I ask you this morning, are we actually doing it? You know, when Jesus tells us that something is of of such high importance, it's good sometimes to stop and to reflect and to think, are we actually doing it? And maybe if not a whole lot, then why aren't we doing it? You know, it basically means that as we go into our world, we're to help people find Jesus and follow him. We're to help people find Jesus and follow him. And you see, growing up, um, I had a mum that loved connecting with people. She was amazing at building rapport and connecting with people. She just loved people. And she would just share Jesus with people everywhere she went. I'm talking as a kid standing outside shopping centers, giving out pamphlets about Jesus. We would often be like sitting down sharing with prostitutes on the street or drug addicts, or even we'd go shopping to buy clothes and end up talking to the shop assistants and they'd come to church and end up, you know, it was just always part of our lives. It was such a natural part of our life growing up to share Jesus with people. But you know, there came a point in my life where I was so involved in serving in church, which is absolutely awesome. But I got so involved in just being inside the four walls. You know, the majority of my friendships were with Christians and and. And I was so contained within the four walls that I wasn't actually really 
sharing Jesus with people anymore, showing the world who he was. You know, the light is never meant to be contained within the walls. Being intentional means making deliberate choices to reflect what is most important to us. And can I tell you, as I made an intentional change in that area of my life, it brought such a vibrancy and joy back to my faith. It has become one of the things that brings me the greatest joy in my whole life. And so I might be a little bit passionate this morning. Is that okay? Because over the past few years, I've just been amazed at how God wants to use us when we're intentional. You know, the Bible tells us that the harvest is plentiful or the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. And it's interesting because the more intentional I've become, the more I've seen just how hungry people are for something beyond what this life has to offer. They're hungry for something that's transcendent, for a hope, a joy, a peace, a purpose that this world can't offer them. But I love that Jesus doesn't just tell us what to do, but he actually models for us. He shows us how to do it all throughout the Gospels. If you like, he gives us a method for the mandate. And so this morning, we're going to look at one of those examples of where um, Jesus shows us just how to share his love with the world. And it's the story of Zacchaeus, the story, not the storyus, the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Luke 19. And so we're going to read together. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You see, in this time, tax collectors were absolutely hated. You know, the Roman occupation was one of the most brutal, brutal worldwide occupations that you could imagine, doing absolute atrocities. And yet tax collectors were Jewish people who chose to work for the Romans and go and collect taxes off their own people to fund the Roman occupation. Not only this, but they took extra on the side for themselves. It says Zacchaeus was very wealthy and the chief of tax collectors. So you can, you can bet your bottom dollar that he was taking a lot on the side for himself. They were considered the scum of the earth. No one wanted anything to do with them. 
And you know, it's hard for us today to have a parallel where we can understand this because we don't really have anyone in our society and this kind of thing. But maybe if you think about someone that you almost wouldn't think they deserve the grace of God or someone that you'd lack empathy for or think that maybe they wouldn't be interested in God when you judge from the life that you look at. But can I tell you that we see the exact opposite was true of Zacchaeus. We could have assumed that he wouldn't be interested in Jesus, but it says that he wanted to see who Jesus was. So much that he ran and climbed a tree, something that was so culturally inappropriate for a man to do. And you know, his, his barrier to seeing Jesus was physical. He was too short to see past the crowd. But for so many people, their barrier to seeing Jesus is actually a heart thing. Maybe it's that they just think it's about rules and religion and don't actually realize that it's a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it's because they've encountered Christians that haven't represented who Jesus actually is and has put them off. You know, so many people need help getting past to actually see who Jesus really is. You know, at the start of this passage, we read that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. When Jesus traveled through Zacchaeus' town of Jericho, he was actually on his way to Jerusalem for the Last Supper, where he was then going to die on the cross, be resurrected and ascend to heaven. If there was ever a time to be distracted by the task at hand, you know, he knew what was ahead. If there was ever a time to be consumed in his own world or to be focused on where he was going, it was now. But he wasn't. You see, for Jesus, people weren't a distraction to the agenda. But loving people was the agenda taking time to slow down and truly see the heart of an individual. My husband has this really annoying trait. Love you, babe. Disclaimer. Am I allowed to say that? He talks to people everywhere. So I'm talking like when we got married, I'd been living in my apartment in Melbourne for four years in the same place, going to the same shops. He moves in and after like just a couple of weeks, we go down to the supermarket and he walks in and he walks up to this guy and he's like, Michael, how are you? How's your study going? Goes over and gives him a big hug and they're like talking like long lost friends. I'm like, who is this guy? I haven't met him before. Maybe they know each other from the past. No, 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 no. He's just the guy that stacks shelves in the supermarket. But my husband, after a couple of weeks, after I've lived there a few years and don't know one person in the supermarket, is on first name hugging basis. But it doesn't stop there. It happens everywhere we go. Often I'll like say, yeah, can you go up the street, grab this from the supermarket? He'll leave. 45 minutes later, I'll wonder where he is and I go and look out the front window and he's out there, not just talking to neighbours, but often talking to the tradies of building other houses in the street that we don't even know. And he comes back and, you know, I'm like, oh, mate, agenda. But the truth is, he's actually the one with the right agenda. 
Isn't it so true that we can get so consumed in our Western society with being busy, with where we're going, with what we're doing, with the next thing? That I wonder how many times we miss the Zacchaeus that God's placed in our world. We miss the moment that he's designed for an encounter. Because my husband comes home and he tells me things about people, about what they're going through, about where their life's at, about where they've opened up to him and poured their life out before him because he's placed value on them, because he's shown them love, because he's taken the time. And, you know, my prayer is, God, help me not to be so distracted that I miss those moments, but help me to create more margin in my life so I'm aware of the people that you want to help me show Jesus to. You know, Jesus showed Zacchaeus that he was fully known, that he was fully seen, and he was fully loved. The crowd wanted to heap shame on him, but Jesus just came and heaped grace and love upon him. And isn't that the Jesus that we serve? You know, he didn't just preach to Zacchaeus. I love this. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to stay at your house today. He shared a meal in his home. And you know, in a, in a social climate where the religious were about shutting people out, where the Romans had like a 90 social system, going and identifying with someone, having a meal with them, going to their home, it was a big deal who you chose to associate with, who you chose to have in your world. But this was not a one-off event. We see all throughout the scriptures that Jesus wined and dined with people and not just with the disciples but with the greatest of sinners with the social outcasts with prostitutes with tax collectors with Jesus strangers became friends as they felt deeply valued and they accepted his life-changing salvation you see, like I said before of my own life, we can often get so comfortable in just hanging out with our Christian friends. I think if our lives were a hotel, we'd probably have a sign up saying full. But not Jesus. There was always room for one more. His world was always open. And we see this radical transformation in Zacchaeus's life where he totally turns around his life and gives back what he's taken and gives to the poor. You know, no one is beyond the reach of Jesus. No one is beyond his life-transforming love. And so I wonder, who in your world have you given up on? A.W. Tozer says, we go astray when we attempt to do spiritual work without spiritual power. And I really believe that the evangelism superpower is actually the Holy Spirit. You know, he wants to do this in partnership with you. And so I want us to take a look at right before Jesus ascended to heaven when he was talking with his disciples in Acts 1, 4 and 5, he said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
And then if we go to Acts 1, verse 8 and 9, he says, but you will receive power. Now that word can be translated um, to divine power, ability and miracles. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. You see, they were to continue the work of Jesus, telling people about him everywhere. But such was the importance of the Holy Spirit in this process that they were not to go until they received the Holy Spirit. You know, this is firstly because it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us and gives us the boldness to speak. But secondly, because it's the Holy Spirit's role to prepare people's hearts in order that they may receive salvation. You see, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, it's a week before Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and filled them. But for those of us who are here, who are Christians, we already have the Holy Spirit in us. It's not a matter of receiving the Holy Spirit, but the Bible tells us to continually be filled And so that's meant to look like a filling, not just so we're full, but so we fill up and we pour out. We fill up and we pour out. We fill up and we pour out. You know, um, does does anyone here have a car that doesn't have power steering? Do they even still make them anymore? Some of you are probably like, what is even power steering? I just thought every car drove like this. But, you know, for those of you who may not have driven a car without power steering, you can drive the smallest car and try and park that thing. And it's literally like you're trying to park a truck. Like, it is hard work, right? But then I now drive a van. I never thought I would be a daggy van mum, but I am. And uh, it's very practical, I tell you, very practical. Um, But I can get in that car, and vans are pretty big, right? But with power steering, I could pretty much park that baby with my pinky. And you see that I think many of us have been trying to bring Jesus to others out of our own ability. And it can feel like really hard work. But I really believe that if you start to involve the Holy Spirit in this process, there's going to be a massive shift for you. You know, I've seen that it's something that can take a lot of effort, can actually just start to happen with ease as we walk in the Spirit's leading. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 4, Paul says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Some of you can breathe a big sigh of relief right there. It's not just you that feels fear and trembling when you think about sharing Jesus with people. Paul, possibly the greatest evangelist of all time, was right there with you. But notice when the Spirit's power came on him, it wasn't when he waited till he felt all powerful and went out. It was as he stepped out in the midst of his fear and trembling 
there's the demonstration of the Spirit's power and his boldness and working in people's hearts. When my son um, Harrison, he's five years old, when he watches TV, he gets so enthralled in it. You know, they talk about people that can't do two things at once. He gets so focused and enthralled in it. I'll be like, oh, Harrison, dinner's ready. Nothing. Harrison, dinner's ready. Nothing. I sometimes just keep going and get louder and louder just because I think it's funny and I want to see how much it's going to take in order for him to actually hear me. And I can literally be right next to his head and I'll cover the microphone so you're not deafened, but I'll be like, Harrison, dinner's ready. Literally at that volume. And sometimes he still won't hear me or he'll go, oh, oh, what, mum? What? And it's not that he's been ignoring me. He's been so focused on what he's watching that he literally does not hear me. But I wonder how often we're like this with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's trying to come with his still, small voice and speak and show us opportunities, show us the Zacchaeuses in our world, show us moments where he wants us to help people see Jesus. But we're so distracted and preoccupied with our own agenda that we miss it. You know, hearing the Holy Spirit is not this big booming voice. It's not this really divine spiritual moment. Usually we're like, oh, there's this beam of light. Usually it's just this small prompting in our spirit. And, you know, the more we respond to those small promptings, the more we learn to recognize, okay, that's him. Okay, he's on the move. Okay, God wants to do something here in the midst of this situation. John Boyers, the Manchester United chaplain, says, love people and love people and love people until they ask why. You know, sometimes these promptings of the Holy Spirit are as simple as providing someone with a meal and really supporting people through hard times. Sometimes it's speaking life and words of encouragement. You know, how often do we speak to people about their problems, but we don't actually offer to pray for them? Or if if you think they won't be comfortable about that, tell them you're going to pray for them. Or sometimes I send them the prayer in a text, hey, I just want you to know this is what I'm praying for you. You know, asking people how they're really going and searching out the deeper issues in life. But you see, if we love people without telling them the why, it just points people to us. But when we let people know that we're Christians and that Jesus is the reason for the way we love, our lives simply become a signpost that point them to him. Isn't that the ultimate? You know, other times there's a boldness where God calls us to actually step out and share what Jesus has done in our life, to share Bible stories of this crazy Jesus who turns water into wine, who loves prostitutes, who loves the Zacchaeus, who goes out where the religious wouldn't go. You know, it might be inviting them to church, sending them a sermon that relates to their story, offering to explore faith with them through the Alpha Course. There's so many different ways the Holy Spirit can prompt us. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. And so whether you're called to plant or you're called to water, it doesn't matter 
But how amazing that we get to be part of this miracle. You just have to be obedient to what the Spirit calls you to. And the rest is you're not your responsibility. Doesn't that take the weight off? But what if they don't respond? But what if they don't like what I say? But what if they don't listen? What if they don't? But what if they do? You know, um, Kat is one of the beautiful women in our church who's a new Christian. She got baptized a couple of weeks ago in our evening service. And I loved when she stood up here and she shared some of her testimony and journey of faith. She actually spoke about a woman who was her Christian religious education teacher at school years and years and years ago. And she said that no matter how much she pushed and tested this teacher and came with questions, this woman always responded to her with such grace and patience and love. And it helped to rearrange her somewhat distorted view of God that she, that she could see him a little bit more clearly. Isn't it amazing that that teacher would never know the significance of what she did? That it was so significant that when Kat's making a decision now to come to God and, and then stands up here getting baptised, That's the person she mentions that showed her Jesus. I wonder how many people we've impacted their lives but will never even know to the other side of eternity because of your faithfulness. You see, isn't it the ultimate when despite our brokenness and faults, we allow the Holy Spirit to refine our lives enough that people might just see Jesus a little bit more clearly through our lives? You know, people are watching more than you know, and you just might be the only reflection of Jesus that they see. Nathan and I have a policy that we don't say people's nose for them. That means that we don't assume, there's no one we assume that they wouldn't be interested in exploring faith or finding out about God. And so going on this policy, we invited a lot of our family and friends over the last couple of years to um, do the Alpha course with us. And we're like, hey, come along, try it. If you don't like it, that's all good. You don't have to come back, but you can just come and say whatever you think. And, you know, we've probably had close to 30 of our family and friends do that with us. And many of them, um, some said no, but um, some of them are now in church serving and loving God and loving people. And it's honestly not because we're anything special at all, because we're not. We're no different to you, but it's simply because we just decided to ask. You see, the Holy Spirit knows each person intimately. He knows exactly where that person's at, their history, their heart's desire, what they need to experience him. And we might not know how to reach people, but as we come in prayer before God, the Holy Spirit will guide you in exactly when to speak, when not to speak, when to show love in practice, how to go about it. Last year, um, I was on the phone to one of my good friends um, and we were, I was driving in the car at the time and she shared with me that her best friend had just relapsed um, into cancer and she had a six-month-old baby and I was so heartbroken hearing this. And you know how we hear these stories and we feel so helpless to do anything, but I just felt this prompting just to... I was outside the shops when I was on the phone. I just felt this prompting to go into the shops and just to buy a few things. She was in hospital, but to drop off to her um, husband and baby and her mum who were at home. And 
I knew it would be a full-on time for them. And so I drove out and dropped it at their house and didn't expect to hear anything of it. I was actually quite ashamed that I hadn't cooked. I just dropped off a meal I'd bought. I felt pretty bad about it. But, you know, a few days later, I got a text message from this beautiful woman just saying, hey, thanks so much for doing that. And and our messages just continued back and forth over the next few months and also with um, Ella from our Connect group as well. They, they started interacting and we shared messages of, of faith and, um, and, and conversations and prayers and she started reading the Bible and, and started watching The Chosen and, and just her heart was just so open receptive to God. And when she got home from hospital, I said to her, hey, could I come and pray for you? And she later shared with me that she was a bit reluctant and a bit like, oh, is this going to be weird? And um, But said yes, and we went over it. And she later said that it was just one of the most beautiful moments that she'd ever experienced as we prayed together. But isn't it amazing when we're led by the Holy Spirit, the most simple acts can actually become supernatural doorways to people seeing Jesus. I didn't even cook. Terrible. You know, I wonder what would happen if we started to see ourselves as heaven's appointed chaplains everywhere we went. Yeah, when you go to work, you go there with a task to perform and to make money. But what if you saw your primary job description as being a chaplain in that environment? Or at the gym in your mother's group, your sporting club, your uni, your retirement village, wherever you are, wherever God's placed you, yes, there's a practical reason you're there. But I want to ask you, this week, will you start to make that secondary Will you make it secondary to being a representative of Jesus and knowing that as you go, the Holy Spirit floods that place and that he wants to use you in that environment to help people see Jesus? See, it's not usually about adding more to our lives, but simply being more intentional wherever we are. Luke 9.41 speaks of Jesus and it says as he approached Jerusalem he saw the city and he wept over it such was the depth of Jesus love and compassion for those that didn't know him for this lost city that he wept I wonder when was the last time that your heart was so stirred in passion and love for the lost You know, this friend of mine that I just told you about with cancer, after knowing her for just a couple of months, um, her cancer rapidly progressed. And she passed away. And the last message that she sent me was, um, it was a picture. I have it on my phone and it's a picture of this room with this whole host of angels up surrounding it. And her family actually asked me if I would conduct her funeral. And it was the first funeral I'd done. And I had the privilege of helping them to honour her life. But of standing up in front of probably 500 people telling them that that was the final scene that I believe she saw. In her room, a whole host of angels receiving her into heaven. 
sorry. I was hoping this wouldn't happen. But isn't it amazing what God can do in people's lives? What a privilege it was to see the Holy Spirit come and bring Jesus to her and her heart so open to him so that there was a confidence that she's now in heaven. And I got to share that with all her friends and family. You see, the older I get, the more I realise that we don't know how long we have with people. But what a privilege it is that he chooses to use us to be part of the miracle of people finding the greatest love, joy, peace, purpose, wholeness, forgiveness that they have ever known. See, if we truly believe what the Bible says, then we know that whether people choose to have a relationship with Jesus not only impacts their life here, But if they choose that on earth, that relationship lasts for all of eternity and they get to experience heaven without any sadness, without any sickness, just the pure love of God. But equally, we know that if people choose here on earth not to have relationship with God, then that choice continues for eternity, separated from all the goodness and the love of God in the greatest darkness that we can imagine. We need to say, Jesus, thank you for rescuing me. And now here's my life surrendered to help rescue others through your power. And so I want to ask you today as we close, this is not a message where I want it just to stay in your head or in your heart. But this is a message that actually requires you to do something. It requires us to make some change. It requires us to say, Holy Spirit, this week, wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm available. Every moment I'm going to get up and I'm, every morning, sorry, I'm going to get up and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, today I might not be able to do everything for everyone. But show me who you want me to help to see Jesus more clearly. Show me the Zacchaeus in my world today. And Holy Spirit, give me the boldness to step out and follow your promptings. Can we just close our eyes for a sec? If that's if you if this if this message is spoken to you and you know that this is a decision that you're gonna make this week, can you just lift up your hand for me? This is your commitment between you and God. Just lift your hand up high to say, yep, God, I want to be used by you. God, I know that this is an area where I might have become a little bit complacent or maybe a little bit apathetic, but I'm choosing to change that by your power this morning. Awesome. Why don't you join me in prayer? God, I just thank you for every person here who's lifted their hand. God, I thank you that your desire is that we would be your hands and feet in bringing your love to this world. I thank you that you rescued us, that we were lost, but now we're found. But we're not just found to come in and stay in the church, inside the four walls, in our little comfortable bubble. Jesus, you thought people's salvation was worth dying for. May you stir our spirits that we would be prepared to get a little bit uncomfortable 
in order to see more people come to know you, that we'd be prepared to step outside of our comfort zones to serve others and to share your goodness with others. And Holy Spirit, right now, I thank you that a fresh sense of boldness is falling upon these people right now. A fresh sensitivity to hear your spirit, to hear your promptings, and a fresh boldness to respond. We thank you, Lord. You know, I just want to take the next couple of moments just to speak to those um, that may be here and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you once did, but you have walked away from that. You know, God sent His Son to earth. He sent Jesus to earth to die on the cross, to take the place and pay the price for everything that you've ever done wrong. You know, when we do something wrong against most people, they say, well, make it right, fix it. Show me you're sorry. But God didn't tell us to make it right. He said, no, I know you you can't make it right. I know I'm not going to put that burden on you, but instead I'm going to make it right. I'm going to send Jesus to pay the price for everything you can ever and will ever do wrong so that there's nothing that separates you from God so you can freely come and receive the love of your heavenly Father who created you with a purpose, who loves you more than you would ever know. You know, you heard about Jesus' acceptance of Zacchaeus this morning, how his heart was so for him, how he saw who he truly was and loved him exactly as he was. And that's God's heart for you this morning. And so I'm just going to ask that we just close our eyes just for one more moment, just once again. And if that's you, if you know that you want to say yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time this morning or maybe for the first time in a long time, can you just lift up your hand wherever you are? I would just love to lead you in a prayer this morning. If you know that you want to surrender, awesome. Thank you so much. All of heaven rejoices over you too, guys. That's so awesome. Anyone else this morning down in the back? Awesome. Thank you so much. Anyone else that knows they need to surrender their life to Jesus this morning? Surrender and invite him into your heart. Awesome. Well, we're going to say this prayer together that's going to come up on the screen. And the whole church, we're all going to pray it together with you, inviting Jesus to come in and to lead your life this morning. Come on, why don't you pray this prayer with me? My God and my Heavenly Father, thank you for what you did in Jesus Christ to save me. Forgive me for all I have done wrong. I commit myself to you and to your purpose. Fill my heart with your Holy Spirit and help me live for you from now on. Amen. Hey, can we put our hands together for those three people? You know, the Bible tells us that all of heaven rejoices when just one person returns to the Father and heaven is rejoicing over you guys this morning. We're so excited. Why don't we stand to our feet right now as the team come and lead us in worship this morning?